podcast with Steve Mathis. Welcome to the Pulp MX Pulpcast. This one's a little different from usual, folks. My name's Steve Mathis, of course, on the line. Um, it's uh, Thanks for listening to this. And if you're into motocross, dirt bike racing, supercross, and you're not into hockey, there's going to be very little motocross, supercross talk in this podcast. But I'm pumped to do it anyways. And most of you guys know I'm a huge hockey fan, judging by my tweets. And uh, obviously, me being Canadian. And uh, thanks to uh, a mutual friend of ours, I got... Uh, None other than uh, 40 goal man, 1,200 games or something in the NHL. Uh, now calling the action on TSN for uh, uh, the hockey, the Ray Ferraro. Ray, what's up? I'm uh, just in Montreal these days uh, getting ready for the World Junior Tournament, which is uh, uh, a tournament that started about oh, 25 years ago, basically like in club ranks. And yeah. It's grown to just enormous proportions and... Uh, the games this year will be in Montreal and Toronto and uh, up in Canada. Last year we were in Sweden, and um, and I'm in the, the NHL buildings will be sold out, and many of these players will be um, will be in the NHL within a year or two. It's uh, it's a pretty awesome tournament for these kids. I mean, what yeah. a what an unreal opportunity to to play in something like this. Right, yeah, exactly. Especially like you said in Canada, where it takes on a whole new meaning. Um, before we get too far. Project Bags, Project, P-R-O-J-E-K-T, Co.com. Jeff Williams, our buddy, the guy who lined this up, the guy who made you do this, Ray. Uh. Yes, he did. He did. <laughs> uh, thanks to Jeff for making this happen. So check him out if you need their bags. Um, great bags, by the way, for reals. I mean, I know we're, we're doing this because we're both friends, but, man, they're good bags. They are. Actually, mine's sitting on the floor here. And uh, so he... You know, Jeff's kind of a funky guy, and right. so he's like, "Yeah, you got to check this stuff out." And so I look at it, and it's like all these really bright colors and all this stuff. And I travel, I don't know, one hundred and seventy-five thousand miles a year. Yeah. And uh, so every time, if you've been in an airport a lot, which you have, man, everybody's got a black bag. I don't. I don't ever have to look for mine. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on the road thirty-two weekends of the year, so going to these races. So yeah, everybody I, goes, "Hey, great, you get to travel." No, great, I got to travel. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm not seeing anything? I see a rink, a restaurant, and yeah. in the airport. Yeah, I see a stadium, a hotel. Yeah, exactly. So, um, hey, a little bit about the World Juniors. Uh, and um, first of all, did you ever play in them? You had to have, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I didn't. You didn't. Uh, okay. Good story to that. Um, uh, I have the. In the history of major junior hockey, which is the highest amateur level of hockey in mm-hmm. Canada, uh, there's been four guys that have scored 100 goals in a season. Right. Two of them are Guy Lafleur and Mario Lemieux, who are among two of the greatest players of all time. One other guy that I don't know, <laughs> who played in, on- in Ontario, and me. And you, right. And Which is kind of like one of those, you know, one of these things is mm-hmm. not like the other. And so my... The year I got a hundred, I had 108 goals. Yeah. Um, that would have been the year I was, I would have qualified mm-hmm. uh, for the World Junior Team, and for some reason I had 50 goals at Christmas <laughs> when they picked the team and I didn't get picked. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. but that was 30 years ago, right? And so it was, the tournament was nowhere near what it is now. So I didn't get picked, and I went, well, that kind of sucks. 
mm-hmm. and then I just went home for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. You know, like now, Big I, deal, right. you know, I would have been devastated, and it would have, quite frankly, it would have been a story as opposed to something yeah. nobody noticed. I mean, no cell phones, no computers then. I went home to my billet's house and assumed there would be a call there. <laughs> nobody. And then I thought, well, maybe they didn't have my number. <laughs> turned out they had my number. They just didn't want to call it. Yeah, it's incredible. 108 goals. I'm a little younger than you, but I do remember, I'm from Winnipeg, and you played in Brandon about two hours away, and I remember, you know, like, this guy scored 108 goals, and somehow you were drafted in the fourth or fifth round. It was a, a different time back then. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I was, I was pretty small. Well, I'm, I'm not big now. I'm, <laughs> Did you grow? My, my hockey card says I'm a, I'm five ten, but you know I've never quite made it to that. I'm yeah. like five nine and a half. And um, when I was drafted, I was 158 pounds. Mm-hmm. And by the time I turned pro, I was maybe like 170 yeah. pounds, and I played pro anywhere from like 185 to 190. So, I mean, they looked at me like, you know, yeah, he scores a lot, and, you know, he's he's got these offensive stuff to his game, but he's just so tiny. <laughs> and the game was different back then because it was – it, it wasn't harder, it was tougher. It yeah. was a – physically, it was a meaner – Right game than it is today and so there would have been a lot of questions about somebody my size whether i could handle that now i think it probably wouldn't have been as big a deal yeah i mean you look at i mean there were questions about gretzky oh he's too small he's not gonna make it you know and yeah, he had two thousand points <laughs> right right yeah he did just fine right um it's it's the the, the junior thing is as and i get into these debates with a couple of my buddies back home like, obviously, uh, down here in the U.S., the, the, the NHL network uh, covers the U.S. games and some of the Canadian games, but mostly U.S. games. And there's nowhere else in the world where this tournament resonates like it does in Canada. And so, in a way, like, Canada's gone, what, four years without meddling? Three? Uh, well, five years without a gold, gold, and they have not got a, uh, have not had a medal of any kind in the last two. Okay. So, two years without a I mean, people are freaking out up there, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, and... To me, I'm like, there's no other country that takes it this seriously. Maybe the Canadians should not take it this seriously. Like, it doesn't mean all that much, but somehow, through the, and some of it is through the work of TSN, which has done a great job, this thing has grown to the point where it is like the Olympics. Uh, up here it is. You bet it is. Um, two years ago, the Swedes uh, played in the gold medal game. They hadn't won a gold medal in, oh, I... I want to say almost 20 years, mm-hmm. and a third of their country watched the game. It was on at 2 in the morning. Right. Okay. You know, so so yeah. it, it has grown incredibly in other places. Mm-hmm. And, and what I would say is, okay, say there was a college football championship that started country to country to country, and then all of a sudden the U.S. wasn't winning any medals. Ah, big problems. <laughs> oh, there'd be big problems. <laughs> right. And then people from other countries would say well why don't you guys relax you're not the only people that play it yeah like that's that's what's happened in canada is that you you know canada was by far the strongest nation for for decades right and they went through they they went through a stretch they won five straight gold medals and so you know canada's feeling pretty good about Mm -hmm. themselves they're high on the hog nobody can beat us well team you know countries are still trying to get better and eventually players catch up and and so one of the things that happens is a junior tournament which is an age limited tournament there is a 
you know, there's a turnover every year mm-hmm. because of age. And so if, if you get whacked with a, an age group that, that, that's not that talented, and it happens, right? I mean, birth years are luck of the draw. Yeah. And sometimes you have incredible teams, and other times you don't have as good a teams. But can, for Canada, this is a bit of a – it's been a kick in the shins. Mm-hmm. And um, they, I, I think there's – well, not I think. I know there is just short of panic about <laughs> is our developmental model correct? Right. Are the players um, are developing at the same rate as players from other countries? Mm-hmm. Or are these other countries got a leg up on it? And it, it would be like, like any other sport. Well, I'm, I love golf. I play golf. Right. Right? Play lots of it. That's initially where we got hooked up with Jeff. Look at the great players from around the world and how few of them are from the U.S. Mm-hmm. At the, uh, the young players at the very top. Then somebody like Jordan Spieth comes along and one of the new guys, and everybody's so excited because he's a young guy and he came from the U.S. Because for the most part, over the last, you know, since Tigers got banged up, right. it's been a bunch of European players. Mm-hmm. And so the golf industry is... They they want to know. They want to know how did that happen? What's going All on? Other countries try hard too. <laughs> right, right. Um, and it's crazy. I, I just uh, the cuts of these teams are, are front page uh, news. Yeah, oh and, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just people. That's need to a bit unfair. I will yeah. say. Yeah. I remember eighteen year old kid who's a first round draft pick in the NHL, and you get cut from a junior team, and it's on the front page. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know that that's really fair to. To the kid. Yeah, I think Daniel Briere was crying or something on TV one year. Oh, he, he wouldn't cut. have been the only one. Yeah. Uh, like, they, what they stopped doing was they had they were doing the cuts and having the media was waiting for the players when they got cut. <laughs> right. So, like, you got an 18 year old kid who's, you know, his hockey life has just been dumped on its ear. Right. And you got a bunch of cameras sticking in his face. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even have time to regroup, and and fortunately, they've they've gone away with that. Oh, that's good. Uh, Canada, I haven't read too much. I think I got the new hockey news. I didn't read it yet. But um, what? where's Canada? Are they favored? I mean, they're always favored uh, in a home rink. But, you know. I would say there's three teams that, that probably are among the best. Um, and we Canada for sure this year. Um, Russia is going to be very good. Mm-hmm. Four teams probably. The Finns, Finland, who won last yeah, year. Yeah, they won last year. Yeah. Uh, they, have, uh, they have a bunch of players back, which is... For a winning team, that doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually they're older teams and those players graduate, but that's not the case with Finland and the U.S. The U.S. is going to be really good. And they've got a couple of players. Um, one of them is uh, this kid, Jack Eichel. Yeah. And Canada has a player, Connor McDavid. And these two are called, they're being called generational players. Like they just, they just never come along. There's all kinds of really good players and these guys are at the next level from that. Mm-hmm. And Jack Eichel plays at, uh, at Boston University. He's a, just a fabulous player. And he'll be their leader. There's also, and this is why I think the U.S. is catching up mm-hmm. uh, to Canada in, in hockey. Is First of all, it's, the country's ten times as big. I mean, right. There's 330 million people, and there's 33 million in Canada. And now hockey is spread enough that there's people playing in untraditional places yeah um so the other superstar in the making they've got for the u.s is a kid named austin matthews now austin is not eligible for the draft this year he's too young Mm -hmm. eichel is but austin matthews is too young he's from phoenix 
Yeah, crazy, right? His parents never played. Yeah. They don't know anything about the game. Their kid just they took their kid to a hockey game. He was mesmerized by it as a little boy. And I've met Austin. Uh-huh. He is built like a linebacker. Um, he's like 6'2", oh, maybe 2'10". He's Jeez. 17. Wow. Yeah. And he can play. Like, he is – many people think he's as good as Eichel, and he's a year younger than him. Right. And so those, those two are going to be the centerpiece of a really good U.S. team. Have you seen much of McDavid and Eichel? I, I know that people are trying to say that Eichel has a chance to upset McDavid as number one pick, but I don't. I don't well, I watched I watched McDavid play last night, uh-huh. um, and uh, man, he was fantastic. He's, he had he had not played last last night was his first game in forty days. Yeah, he had broke his hand in a fight. Right. I don't know why he was fighting, but anyway, he <laughs> yeah, had another a fight. Story. He broke his hand, um, and so he was a little bit rusty, you know, maybe in the first period, but after that, he was. Right. He was just awesome. And um, Eichel has had a really good camp for the U.S. They're in the Northeast playing uh, some college teams, you know, to get to pick their final roster and, uh, you know, to get prepped for the tournament. Um, I, I would say it'll be difficult for Eichel to pass McDavid. I, I would say if the draft were today, uh, McDavid would go one and mm-hmm. Eichel would go two. Yep. But if, if something crazy happened, and Eichel went one, and McDavid went two. I don't think, I, I don't think anybody right. would be, you know, just so blown away like it would be like an incredibly crazy circumstance. You know, they're both that good. I I, uh, I can't go too much further into this without getting a Freddie the Goat update. <laughs> I mean, he's, <laughs> he's going to make ever. he's going to make the team, right? Well, he he is on the team, okay. and uh, Freddie the Goat is. Uh, because I'm a Leafs fan, yeah. For Team Canada, he was a first-round draft choice by Toronto. His name's Fred Gauthier. Yeah. And last year, somebody asked one of his teammates, you know, how is he playing? He goes, "Oh, you mean Freddie the Goat?" <laughs> so obviously, good. Goat Gauthier, and yeah. Oh my, it's the best nickname, though, right. isn't it? Yeah, it's really. I good. I can't even say his name without giggling to myself. <laughs> I want to call him I'll on be, the air, Freddie the Goat. I'll be watching. Yeah, I'll see if you do it. <laughs> but I just can't. I mean, because it just the connotation is terrible. But well, he's. To me, he will forever be Freddie the Goat. We have a racer in motocross. He retired about five years ago, maybe longer. But he won. Uh, he's out, got all the records except for one, and his nickname is the Goat, greatest of all time. Right? The 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 first initial. Now of that. there was a there was a guy. Um, I you ever watch those thirty for thirties? Yeah, all of them. Yeah. Well, there's this one on the um, uh, New York Street basketball scene. Yeah. Yep. And there was a player there, his name was Earl Manigo. Oh, I don't remember and that. And they called him Earl the Goat. <laughs> and, um, you know, he had a bit of a rough life and you know, yeah, things yeah. didn't pan out the way they should have. Yeah. But back in the day, they would put money on top of the backboard and the goat would jump and get it. And get it, yeah. I mean, like, that's just, I don't know how much of that is, <laughs> is yeah, you know, becomes urban myth. myth but right. Just even to be, like, could you imagine somebody in the 1970s just, like, running from the free throw line yeah. and grabbing a 10 spot off the blackboard? In your uh, Converse Chuck Taylors, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> there were no technology no. there. Um, all right, hey, let's switch gears. I don't have you for a lot of time. but uh, uh, So I live in Vegas, and we were talking before uh, I went on the air. Uh, lots of talk about the NHL in Vegas. And, and look, it, I mean, it, it, for the NHL, it was always as tight-lipped as they can be. Um, this seems pretty close to a sure thing, um, or it's going to happen. There's a ticket drive coming soon. 
What are your thoughts about this? Where do you stand on this? Is it going to work? I mean, I personally, I'm a little skeptic. Pokey Reddick will be there, but other than well, that. Here's, here's the thing. Like, I can say, yeah, I think it's going to work, or no, I don't think it's going to work. But I'm not there, Yeah. and I don't know. I've been to Vegas many times. Never once do I go there and say, gee, I wish there was a hockey team. Right, right. I find other things to do when I'm in Vegas. Yeah. And so the, the biggest concern the NHL has is not that there's not money there. I mean, the, you know, they're pretty confident that the casinos can fi- you know, will fund enough of it. Mm-hmm. The biggest concern really becomes, so say the casinos buy a bunch of tickets and you know, they're going to disperse them to their high rollers mm-hmm. or to their guests of some kind. And the games start at 7 o'clock. And at 9 o'clock, most of those guests go, hey, look, it's time for dinner here. I've already hung out at the game for 90 minutes, had a couple of, couple of pops, and yeah. the game's been great and all that, but it's time to get rolling. I want to go eat and get to the casino. And they leave. Right. And the building's three-quarters empty in the third period. Yeah. Home like, team, it's 2-2. They, they have yeah. to make sure that the people that are, that are going to go want to go. That they that are fans of the game are they going to be are they going to be there to um, you know on a Tuesday night yeah yeah and and quite well maybe maybe Tuesday night's a good night in Vegas maybe Friday and Saturday aren't good nights yeah in it, Vegas I mean all of that stuff has to they have to try and figure it out the best they can because you know I I would say too the fellow that's in you know, is a very successful businessman that's the proposed owner. Mm-hmm. The one kind of in the background a little bit behind the Maloofs. And, um, you know, he's kind of the guy in charge. And, you know, he's not going to make a $450 million bet minimum if he doesn't have a lot of the answers. Yeah. My, so- my initial thing is I, I, just, I just don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't, but I don't know much about Vegas outside of the Strip, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. Well, they got a team and here. The golf courses. Yeah, they got a team here, the Wranglers, and they yep. they have decent support. I've been to a few games, but I mean, you need a whole lot more than decent support, you know. Uh, are, do you agree with me though? The the fact that this is so far down the line seems to indicate it's a no brainer. I won't go that far. Okay. Uh, and the reason is that they might end up with some answers here mm-hmm. uh, as they're doing this ticket drive stuff, where they back up and say, you know what, this is not going to work. Right. Like, what happens if they find out they got 4,000 season tickets, non, non-casino season tickets? Right, right, yeah. Well, then they might go, you know what, That's, this just can't fund itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, should be interesting to see what the happens. Players would like it. Oh, I know, right? It'd be, it'd be pretty exciting. Uh, and and it's the, the arena, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's right on the strip. It's right behind New York, New York, like right there. Uh, so. There's so much that would be pretty cool about it. Mm-hmm. I just... I, I just I don't know I don't know enough about the the real finance right. about what would support the team. I will say when I lived in Anaheim for a long time, one of my jobs down there kept me down there, and I bought a half season package to the Ducks. Yep. And I was this was uh, the year they got Fedorov, so the year they before they won the cup, or maybe the year, yeah, I think the year before they won the cup. And uh, I was really surprised by the people that we would see every day because we had the same seats. You know what I mean? We'd see them at all games. They were into it. They were hardcore. Now, Anaheim's different than, than Vegas. You're drawn from a lot bigger place, and there is some minor hockey going on down there. But I was like, who are, you know, I, I, I wonder how these people are going to be around us. And they were pretty knowledgeable and into the game. 
So maybe there's and, a and that's and know. that's really I guess part of what they they have to try and explore and get their hands around. Yeah, yeah. Um, should be interesting to see. Hey, uh, so when Sportsnet acquired the rights to the re, the national rights to all the games and a huge landmark deal, they took over uh, uh, Hockey Night Canada um, and, and TSN had the uh, the national games beforehand. I read an article um, in a sports business journal, I think, about this move, and it told me Ray. That Sportsnet's one of Sportsnet's first acquisitions will be going after Ray Ferraro. That's what they told me. So I don't know. Obviously, it, it didn't work. You're at TSN, and you seem happy, and you're you're busy. Uh, did you think about going? Did they talk to you? Did did you, why the decision? Well, sure, did, I you okay. know I thought about it when when the when I heard the news. I was sitting at home, and I said to my wife, um, who by the way is a uh, in the Hockey Hall of Fame, the first woman ever inducted in the, yeah. in the Hall of Fame. She's a U.S. girl. Cami Granado is her name, and um, you know she was a fabulous player in her day. And mm-hmm. we have two small kids, and um, so I got the news, and I told her, I said, "Well, technically, I don't have a job next year. <laughs> um, you know, we got to figure this out." Yeah. And so slowly started to make some calls and put some pieces together, and. Um, I, I didn't even get very far down the road with Sportsnet. Um, I had one phone call with one of the guys at the very top of the chain, mm-hmm. and they weren't at all prepared to offer anything at that point. They okay. just got the deal. Yep. And um, But he told me that, look, we have all the national games, and you should be doing national games, and if you're going to be doing them, you're going to be doing them for us. Yeah. And, I mean, that, that was, none of that was news to me. Right. Um, but when I got to thinking about it, before I even chased it any further, was that that means every weekend, like literally every weekend, uh, I would be away from home. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I have a 5-year-old and an 8-year-old. Um, that, that was, so certainly you can see as they get tied up into their sports now, um, you could see why being away every weekend yeah. would be a concern for me. Yeah. Uh, number two is I really like the people that I work with at at TSN. I'm, you know, I do this tournament, um, which is among the top rated shows in Canada every year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the ten days of the tournament. Um, I'm I'm just as busy. I'm just doing different games, mm-hmm. um, and I I like the way that I've been treated in my time at TSN. So I started talking to TSN about an extension and they were talking in the four to five year range. And I said that, I, you know, I'm going to be 50, which I am now. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I want a deal that'll take me to retirement, which is 60. And mm-hmm. so we kicked the ball around for a while. And, yeah. um, I ended up with a 10 year extension. And, um, so I signed a TSN for 10 years and, uh, I love where I work. Um, I watch the games on the other network because that's where they are yeah. when I'm not doing them. And I honestly, I don't, I don't look back at all and think, gee, not once have I looked back and said, God, I wish I made a different decision. I'm, I'm really, mm-hmm. really happy and uh, content with the with the choice I made. And there was plenty of talk in this article and, and others that there'd be mass defections from TSN. And I think it's, it speaks to how well most of you guys are treated or all of you guys. Uh, Mike Johnson left, uh, Dave Randorf left, uh, 
geez, I mean, all the studio guys, the panel guys, um, seems like they must be a great company to work for because you guys, it wasn't this massive defection like people predicted. Well, when you when you think of it, really, like a company is really only people, mm-hmm. and um, if the if you don't like the people you work with, or you don't feel like you've gotten an opportunity, then maybe maybe you would go somewhere else. Now, Dave Randorf, in in uh, in his case, uh, he had been doing um, uh, tournament the world tournament in Europe mm-hmm. as a play by play guy, but he was. His main duties were the um, was he was the studio host for the Canadian Football League, yeah. which is a really popular show every week up here in Canada. So, but he wanted to do play by play, and the opportunity for him was at Rogers. Yeah. So I could see why Dave left. Now, for us, you know, the the linchpin to it all was James Duffy. Yeah. And he, James is our studio host. I think I don't think there's any question he's the best guy in Canada. Um, that. Yeah. That hosts anything, mm-hmm. um, and James decided to stay. And so when he stayed, that meant Darren Drager was going to stay, and uh, Bob McKenzie was already going to stay. Yeah, he's a lifer. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's a lifer. He's, I mean, he's the face of TSN, and, yeah. and that made me more likely to stay. And Chris Cuthbert and Gord Miller, and um, you know, I I think our play-by-play guys are are as good as anybody in Canada. I don't think there's anybody better, and. We have them at TSN, and so right. our our little hockey group, as we call it, um, we're all really content, and um, and we think we do we think we do a terrific job, mm-hmm. and we work hard at it, and we got a lot of pride in it. Um, hey, you, you played in the NHL for a long time. You, you made millions of dollars. Um, you had a great career. I don't imagine you're doing this for the money, but when and talking about your career, like. You're on a lot. You're doing a couple of regional games a lot uh, during the week. Uh, now you're doing the World Juniors. You're you're very busy. Um, what make what makes you want to keep doing and keep working that hard? I imagine, like I said, you don't have to, but um, you must really love it. You must really love well, the game. Well, couple of couple of things. I think um, first of all, I played it at a time 1984 to 2002 when salaries were nowhere near what they are now. Right. So, like my first. I scored 40 goals and I got a raise from 125 grand to 160 grand. It's a good point, actually. You have a, you're making a good point right now, right? <laughs> you know, so it was like at the time, I, know, I was pumped. Right, right. But you know, I mean, I, I would have been a you know four million dollar player. Yeah. If I were playing today, unfortunately, I was born 30 years too early. <laughs> yeah. So so that didn't you know so there, there is some um, there is some need like 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 a lot of guys. I don't know if you got any buddies that got divorced. So, yeah. You know that's not a that doesn't uh, that doesn't boost your stock. That's true, for sure. true that. Yeah. So you know. So anyways, I got remarried. I got young kids. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't play at a time with, um, you know, making a ton of money. Yeah. So there is the need that to work to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. But that's number one. Number two is I was raised by, um, you know, my mom and dad, and my dad and his dad built a concrete business. Um, basically from nothing mm-hmm. in 1947. And my oldest and youngest brother still own it today. Oh, wow. And, yep. man, my dad worked. Yep. And it just, it's kind of innate in us, mm-hmm. in our family. I like, like, I look at my brothers, and everybody just, we just work. It's like, <laughs> right. we love what we do, and so we keep working at it. And the third thing is, from the time I was five, when I first started skating, I've loved hockey like no other sport. Yeah. I mean, I, I love baseball. I love golf, but I mean, 
this is what this is what I do. You know, I mean, I love it. And so I don't like to travel. You know, as I mentioned yeah. early on, you know, I travel 170,000 miles a year. And that's way too much. It's it's crazy. But as soon as the hockey season ends, I don't do anything. So from you know, yeah. Well, now, June yeah. to October, I'm at home. Well, now it'll be even earlier. Right, now it'll be even earlier with this new deal. Yes, exactly. Right, right. So basically from the middle of April. Yeah. Onward, um, I'm going to go to I'm going to go to Prague in the Czech Republic for the World Championship, the World Hockey Championship for I think 17 days in May, mm-hmm. but that's it. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll be home. That's true. And so that's where that's where I, you know, the the yin to yang comes in of of the job and you know, my wife is she's just awesome about it and it's hard on her time at times when I'm away but um I'm going to you know I'm I'll be home for Christmas and then I got to fly back on Christmas night uh and then Cammy and the kids uh they'll show up here in Montreal for for the tournament and we'll have a great time it'll be awesome um yeah that's that's a good point yeah you're right uh making it work right um yeah well yeah. hey I I'm pretty sure everybody no matter how great their job is there's something good and something bad to it yeah, every everybody's got the same, and for me, the bad is the travel. Right, but can't do anything about it. Can't get the games in my backyard. I'd like to. <laughs> it just doesn't happen that way. I uh, I can't stand the airlines, Ray. I'm having I, I'm ha- I'm gonna have a mental breakdown. I've been doing this since '96, and I'm gonna have a mental breakdown at the airlines because God, the service. I don't know what it's like in Canada. I just flew Air Canada, and I wasn't very impressed. But I, I fly United down here, and, and I'm gonna have a breakdown at the way these people treat you see this is this is where i've got to man is that (laughs) this is what i want from the airline i want a seat i want the seat to be clean (laughs) yeah and i want it to go where it's put where it says on the ticket (laughs) that's it i don't need food from those guys right i'll i'll eat in the airport and have a 17 dollar sandwich which is ridiculous as it is but right like i i i think the less i expect okay the better it is yeah, like I'm still into getting upgraded, and I'm all stressed, and I want to get well, upgraded. Okay, so and, I've yeah. got I've got eight million upgrade points because of my yeah, goofy yeah. schedule. So I can get upgraded, mm-hmm. and lots of times it works out that I do. But the same thing, it's not like it's not like you're eating a five star meal up. No, there. you got a bigger chair, which is awesome. But I'm not a big guy, so I just yeah. sit down and uh, I do some work that's... and I sleep, and you know. I got a bunch of shows downloaded on my computer, and right. whether it's Homeland or Suits or you know, oh, I guess like that. Yeah. I House of Cards. I'm right. I'm you're, you're good. Right, right. I got a buddy like that too. Doesn't not care. He flies whatever airline and gets in there direct, and he doesn't carry on anything, and he sits down and he sleeps, and then he gets off the plane. Oh right. no, no, I do care on my airline because I want my points. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, me too. I'm a frequent right. point. I'm a frequent flyer points guy yeah me too no i'm that i'm that way too it's the only perk we get right i mean I'm, I'm going to chicago in january and i used miles to get there for free i'm going to see a tragically hip concert so oh nice um hey uh the calling the game behind between the benches i don't know i think tsn started it um or somebody but yeah it, that, tsn was that's the like, first really to we're like, get into it yeah we're like five years into that maybe maybe longer a little um, longer what do you think? Did you call games up in the booth? Were you doing well, I, it then? I had always called games upstairs in the okay. booth before I came to TSN, and um, I had a discussion with my boss when I came here, and I said, I'm not so sure about that between the bench thing, and and they're like, well, that's where we do them from. We want you down on the ice, and um, and now when okay. when I have to go upstairs, because there's a few buildings that don't have <clears> um, <throat> the 
capabilities. You know, there's no right. room between the benches because they're an older building. Yeah. I don't like it. Okay. I prefer to be on the ice. But okay, so I've sat now. This is obviously maybe apples to oranges. I've sat next to the glass or up to the glass, first or second row, and then I've sat higher. You know, time and time again. I mean, don't, I mean, obviously you guys do a great job, but don't you feel like you miss stuff being that low, or is it because you're next? You're you're a former player. You're more at home. I mean, is that? Uh, I think I think there's some of that too. Yeah. Now, if if I went and did your job, you know, and you were standing beside me, you'd, I'd see a beginner's look, right? True, right, right. And you would go, did you see that? And I'd be right, like, what? Right. What am I looking at? I'm like, look at the guys in the jumping. Look at the guys taking the triple jump. You'd be like, and I'm like, where? Where'd they go? Because <laughs> right. I would be looking in the wrong spot. Right, right. And so even though hockey's a random game, there's predictability to it. Like if I see the puck going up the left side of the ice, mm-hmm. I'm looking, I don't need to watch the puck. Mm-hmm. Because, well, I can see where the puck is. Yeah, yeah. What I take a quick look on the other side of the ice to see if somebody's coming nobody, into yeah. the far side, mm-hmm. like that nobody on the defense sees yet. Right. You know, so I'm looking at different things, and sometimes you can see a better picture from up top for sure. But don't forget where I'm standing. There's nothing, nobody in front of me. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I have. You're getting hit with a stick or a puck. I, and I have. <laughs> right. Right. And it's and I'm 50. I don't want to get hit with anything anymore. <laughs> Those days are done. Right. So I I have a great view. And as I you know I mentioned earlier, we have uh, Gord Miller and Chris Cuthbert are our play-by-play guys. I mm-hmm. and I think they're the very best in Canada. So if I can't see something, I know they've seen it anyway. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter who gets the information into the into the show mm-hmm. as long as somebody does. Right. So, in your eyes, this is this has been an improvement. You weren't sure on it at first, but in your eyes, this is a better way to. Uh, for me, it is. Yeah, uh, I know some guys don't like it. Right. You know, they prefer to be upstairs, mm-hmm. and and I think it it's I think there's a preference to it for sure, um, but it's become our signature thing, mm-hmm. and I'm sure I'll be there till the day I retire. Right. Um, hey, I, I got a problem with this in my sport. Like I I know. And, you know, look, you as a former player and, and now broadcaster, I mean, you know these guys on a personal level. You, you know their kid. Now some of your buddies' kids are playing in the NHL, and you know, and you know these coaches and general managers. And, and I know these people, these riders that race, and I know their managers, and I know the teammates. And, and you, don't, you don't write, really, a column like I do. I, I do, you know, this podcasting, and I have a radio show, an internet radio show, and then I, I write a lot. And... I mean, I get in trouble from people that are my friends because I'm sort of, you know, at times I have to be hard on them. Some some rider is struggling or, or some team is not having good luck, and I have to write like, hey, what's going on over there? Or what's happening? And, you know, at times I get people that don't, they, they're not happy with me. They just don't, they don't talk to me. They don't, uh, they don't um, like me or whatever. And, you know, sometimes we make up and they understand where I'm coming from, and it's the media job. So... The question is, in, in, a, in a long roundabout way, how do you deal with that? How do you – and you must have had some instances where things – Oh, yeah, you, I've had – Right. So how, does, how do you deal with that? Um, I, I try I, – I think I have now, um, and, I, and really since I've started, I've tried to, to build my reputation of somebody that's going to be really fair, uh, mm-hmm. both good and bad. But I try to take into consideration all the time that – the game's really hard. <laughs> right, like, right. You know, I, I think a lot of people that cover 
the sport, you know, they'll, they'll say something, and, <laughs> and my first thought is they have no idea how hard that play was. Right. Because they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Now, not everybody can play, and, and that's the way it is, and everybody's entitled to their opinion. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I've done this long enough, and I've, you know, I have a reputation for, um, for being fair. Now, there's some players, um, I don't like the way they play. Mm-hmm. And the reason I don't like the way they play is I think they're dirty, and I think they're cheap, and I think they try to hurt people. Right. And I'll never give them a break. <laughs> right, right. I just don't. Yeah. And, and it's because I think they have no respect for their opponent. Has it cost you friendships or, or cost uh, you relationships? Not friendships, no, but nope. I mean, I have guys that walk straight past me right. in the hallway, but yeah. I don't care. I have that too, right? That's good. See, I got that same thing, yeah. And see, and, and I don't care because I know in my heart I'm being fair. Right. And, and certainly I have a better understanding of it all, of the whole game now, because I'm on the media side. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know, look, I'm just doing my job. Yeah. But I know when you're a player and you get picked on or somebody points out a mistake you make, you think that the media guy is picking on you, that he's unfairly singled you out. And I know that's just really not the case. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It's tough. And, and and I deal with that a lot. And, you know, even on Twitter, like, I got riders' wives, you know, cracking on me because I criticize their husband for, you know, always getting hurt, which happens a lot in our sport. Riders get hurt all the time. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? Would. I mean, I, mean I, I don't know that I would really want to get into it with somebody's wife because I don't know if I right. hold my tongue. Yeah. But you I, know, so I would probably let that stuff go. I mean, on Twitter, for sure, Yeah. Um, you know, you hear all kinds of things, um, some of them among the most vile that anybody would say. It's bad sometimes. It's bad, Ray. But, of course, nobody would say that to your face. Yeah. They're yeah. the guys, when they meet you, they tell you you do a great job. Yeah, I have uh, 27,000 followers, and you have, let me just check here, you have uh, 128,000. So, yeah, you've, you, you've got a lot. Of, yeah, yeah, so I, uh, I'm, I'm really good with the block button. <laughs> right. And the way, the, like, I've built my own rule, which is if you swear at me, I block you. That's it, yeah. I'm done, because you wouldn't swear at my face. Right. You wouldn't come up and call me an, um, an idiot to my face, so I just block you, and then... You're off the planet to me. I don't care. The reason I asked you that question is because I, I watch a ton of hockey, and I feel like you, and obviously, you know, you have a guest on this show, so it sounds like I'm kissing your ass, but I feel like you are one of a few guys that doesn't call it down the middle and does offer an opinion from a guy that's played 1,200 games and, and had success in the league. Uh, I feel like Glenn Healy's another guy. I don't always agree with what Healy's saying, but another guy – I feel like a lot of I don't get that from a lot of guys that I'm watching and and in my sport I'm considered the edgy guy cuz a lot of our media guys are buddies with the riders and they just want to you know basically make sure that they stay as friends. So I gravitate towards the guys that have an opinion and tell me right or wrong, great, good or bad, whatever's going on on the ice. And I feel like Well, I I look know. at it this way when and I learned this as soon as I retired. When you're in, like when you're a player and mm-hmm. you're in, you're in. But the second you're out, you're out. <laughs> right. These guys aren't my friends. Yeah, They might be friendly with me, and yeah. I might be friendly with them, but they're not calling me up to come to the cottage in the summer. <laughs> right, right. Right? I mean, they've got yeah. their own lives. They, you know, yeah, yeah. To, to a lot of these guys, like, I, you know, I'm at this junior tournament. I'm going to be covering some of these guys till I retire. And I'm pretty sure most of them don't know that I played 18 years in the NHL. Yeah. yeah they get, just think of me as the broadcaster guy. you got a good point. You're right. 
And so they're not my friends. I have friends that most of my friends in hockey are now in management Mm -hmm. because we're all around 50 years old. Right. So when I go into a city, they're the guys I go for a beer with. It's not the players. But those managers. It actually becomes easier. But the management guys probably get pissed at you here or there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same as me. I've. uh, I'll tell a quick story. Sure, one of my yeah. favorite guys, um, one of my favorite teammates of all time is, is Luke Robitaille. Mm-hmm. And so Luke is just, for those that have met him, he's, he's one of those guys, he comes into the room, and the room is a better place. Mm-hmm. Right? He's just happy. And yeah. He's got great energy. So I'm doing a Kings game, and there was a play, and I said something that would be against the Kings player. Right. So after the game, I'm, I'm walking back to my hotel, and the, in L.A., and the phone rings, and it's Luke. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I'm, hey, what's up? And he, right away he just tees off on it. <laughs> he's like, I can't believe you said this, and he's just giving it to me. Oh, that's good. I, so I, now I get mad. Right. And so, you know, I'm like, hey, Luke. And so now I go back at him. All of a sudden he just starts to laugh. <laughs> he goes, I didn't think it would be this easy. Oh, he just wanted to yeah, he yeah. Just wanted to needle me. Right, right, right. He didn't even care about the comment. Oh, he yeah. To oh, okay. I, I was... But, but, I mean, like, I, right. I, I've had it where it's not a joke. Yeah. And there, there's two things I say. One is that, you know, okay, so I'm going to stand my ground because I'm going to stand behind what I said. Mm-hmm. You don't have to agree with it, but, I'm, you know, I said it. And number two is that I'm saying it live. Mm-hmm. So when a play happens, I have no time to try and phrase it the exact perfect way that right. I might phrase it if I got to think about it for a half an hour. Yeah. I'm not sitting in the studio. I'm doing it live. And I'm making an evaluation, a snap evaluation. And i got to just say what that's what I think. Right. And sometimes the guys don't like it. And as I said, I just try to keep into my head that it's just be fair, remember the game's hard, <laughs> and if you got to step on somebody's toes and then later in the game they make an unreal play, well, you got to make it you got to make sure that you yeah. keep the two events separate. You don't gush over this play to try and make up because you were critical of them earlier. Mm-hmm. They're two different plays. I'm, I'm glad this goes on in a sport like you know, like just like just, you sound like you battle the same stuff I do, which is which is, I mean, a little, I guess a lot of media guys do. You know, well, I, I would think so. Wouldn't anybody if you're covering anything, whomever you're covering. They all want nice things said about them, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Like exactly. I mean, when I was playing, I wanted to have nice things said about me. I don't like. Right. I didn't like somebody calling me a rat in the newspaper. Yeah, the That's big ball. It was a big ball of hate, <laughs> right? You were the at big the time, though. I wanted to strangle the guy. <laughs> you were the big ball of hate, I think, for a while. Ver- well, Verbeek was, was a little ball. You just, sometimes you had to survive, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, all right, I got. I got so many questions for you. Let's 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 move on. All right. Um, I'm a big Leaf fan, always have been. I don't know what's wrong with me. But, Ray, what has gone wrong with the Leafs? Well, two weeks ago, nothing. Well, I, I just this week, this week, absolute disaster. It's not looking good. I think okay, this but is... here, here's the thing. Okay. If, if you look at the Leafs, they're like probably six or seven teams in the Eastern Conference. They're pretty good. They've got some holes. They're going to have some really good nights and some really bad nights. Right now, they're sitting in the playoffs. Of the teams that are below them, Mm -hmm. the only one that I can say that's better is Boston. Nobody else is better. Now, they might finish ahead of Toronto, but they're not better. I don't see why the Leafs can't be a playoff team. 
but I think there are, there are times you watch them and you want to put you want to cover your eyes, right? And there are other times you watch them and you say, man, they're really exciting. But they've they have a team with with some holes in it, and I and they know they do. Yeah. But you can't. I mean, where are you going to fix it? You can't fix it in season. <clears throat> you can't trade five or six guys in the middle of a season. There's nowhere to trade them. Doesn't happen anymore, right? Yeah. Um. The, but the, even with the way they win, and obviously the advanced stats is another thing, but uh, another thing going on. But even when they're in their winning, they're getting outshot. They're getting, they're just. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I hate to sound like one of those guys on Leafs Lunch, but it, it's not good right now. It's not good. I, even when they win, I'm like, but they allowed 40 shots. Yeah, but see, I, I think, I think you have to, you have to accept that that's just part of the way it is with this team. Yeah. Like they're not they're not going to be a team that gives up 25 shots. They just don't. Yeah. And part of it is a lot of it is most of it is the way they're constructed. Their their team is just not they're not filled with stout competitors. They're filled with a lot of offensive talent. And so when that offense is going and they have the puck a lot, mm-hmm. look out, they're going to score a lot of goals. And when they don't have it, they don't defend really well. And they're not going to all of a start, all of a sudden, start defending really well. I got bad news for you. I, that, I was going to say, damn it. <laughs> that, that's a, you know, that that's just right. After after a while, you are what you are, and they're close to forty games into the season, and they're a team that's going to score some goals, but they're not going to defend really well. I like those additions of Winnick and Santorelli, and like I, I enjoy, I, I agreed with the fourth liner. Guys not getting enough ice time last year, and I thought, oh, this is better. This is working. There's depth, and it's just the same old. So, but you're right. Those guys have done really well. Winnick, Komarov, who's hurt right now, yeah. Santarelli. They've done they've done a good job for them. But the top of their roster are the ones that have to. Your best players have to be the ones to carry your team. Mm-hmm. You can your depth guys can do as as well as you want, but eventually. Um, it's the, yeah. the top guys have to carry the mail, and they and they they've not been great for about a month. Right. Um, hey, any thoughts for you about ever going into management? Did you ever think about um, that? Have you... I've always thought about it. Yeah, I'm always interested, um, but uh, I have a really stable, comfortable job. Right. Living in BC, and, and yeah, um, right. And if it were just me and my wife. And, you know, if I just had my older boys who were 26 and 23, mm-hmm. I would be in management. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, but I, I mean, there's been a time in my life where it's been all about me, and um, now is not the time anymore. You know, I mean, my, I, I can't be moving around city to city with two little guys. And, right. Yeah, I, just, I just can't. I would love to do it. I think I'd, have, I think I'd be an asset to a management team somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just... It would be really. It would have to be the most perfect of circumstances to get involved, and that so, means stepping away from this. Yeah. Where I'm undefeated this year. <laughs> right. I mean, un- unless I swear on the air, yeah, there's you're not really any stress. And you're not getting fired. Yeah, unless you do. Right. You're not going. You're not. There's no. The stress is the stress I put on myself. Yeah. To do a good job, the pride I have in my job, but I'm not going to get traded. No, no, no. Right? Like, those, no, those days are no. long gone, so I don't yeah. know that I want to jump back into that stuff. You're going to trade you to the score or whatever. <laughs> you know, you just, hey, I go to work, they give me my schedule, I go uh, to the games they give me, and my, that's that. My buddy was so crushed back in the day. He was the biggest Whaler fan, and 
you got traded for Doug Crossman, and he was so bummed. He was like, Doug Crossman? Um, the day I got traded, um, <laughs> the next, well, the next morning, uh, I had to go down to the rink in Hartford to pick up my equipment to drive to New York. Yeah. And, you know, I got a million things going through my head. I got to go to the bank. I got to get right. my gear. I got to make sure I get my sticks. And all of a sudden, I got a police car behind me. <laughs> and uh, the, the cop pulls me over, and we're going through the rigmarole, insurance, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, hey, you just got traded. I said, yeah, I'm just on my way to the rink. And he's like, uh, do you know how fast you were going? I'm like, I got no idea. Yeah, you're like, I don't know. And, and he goes, uh, yeah. Good luck in New York. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, lets... Hartford was a small place. He let yeah, me go, yeah. but I, I was just totally out to lunch. So if your buddy was distraught, oh. I was too. He's like, he's like Ray was thirty goal guy. Doug Crossman. I mean, he's just a defenseman. Yeah, I know. And then, you know? Yeah. and then I, we had a new house, and we were really comfortable there. And, <laughs> well, sometimes pro sports aren't <laughs> what you what you think they might be. Um, what's the biggest mistake? Like my 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 beloved Leafs or, you know, the Oilers or any. There's these teams that have been not very good for many years. Um, what's the biggest mistake you see teams do? What what stability coaches bad contracts? I mean, what, what is something? I mean, I guess it's hard to narrow down, but yeah, you, it's hard to narrow yeah. it to one thing. But I would say if there's one tried and true formula, and especially in a cap world which the NHL is, there's a hard salary cap, mm-hmm. that you have to de- draft and develop your own players. Yeah. And it's, it, a lot of teams pay lip service to that. They draft them. Right. The development's the hard part because that's patience. You have to be incredibly patient with players. That, it's not like the NFL where you draft 22-year-old players and they start for you the next year. Mm-hmm. The NHL, you draft a kid, he's 18 years old, chances are you're not getting them into your lineup for another three or four years. You've got to be patient and you've got to develop them. And that can be tedious, and it can be really difficult to wait for those players. So a lot of teams, they, they need the now, not the future. And yeah. so they trade some of those young players, and then pretty soon you've got a gap in, in your, on your team, and you can't fill it because you can't outspend mm-hmm. your mistakes anymore, which you used to be able to do. Yeah. So, and yeah, developing, and or that also includes trying to rush them, too, which the Leafs did for year after year after year. Well, Edmonton's yeah. been doing it for right half a dozen years and right. the answer is the answer is never to play a bunch of 18 year old kids against a bunch of 25 year old men mm-hmm. it just doesn't work and Edmonton is in this cycle and now because they're poor they draft at the top of the draft so they get another 18 year old yeah so now you got another guy in there too early <laughs> right right you know it just becomes just keeps like going a wheel it yeah. just continues to roll around and around and eventually they've got to stop the wheel <clears throat> and sign a couple of mid-range veterans to allow their younger players to, to develop a little bit more slowly. I'm a, I'm, of course, I'm a guy that thinks Randy's going to be out at the end of his rope, but I always seem to think, like, hold on to your coaches, too. Like Edmonton going through, you know, Kruger was kind of let go for no reason. Now Eakins is gone. Uh, a lot of teams, you know, I guess it's hard to tell what comes first, the stability or the results, but teams like Boston, I mean, Julian, Claude Julian was almost on his way out a couple times. Um, you know, coaches, teams that are successful seem to hold on to their, they believe in their coach and GMs, and the Leafs never have. Well, I mean, the, the situation now with Carlisle is even more odd in that, you know, the, the team has been in a little bit of turmoil for a couple of years, and now you have a, a new hockey president in Brendan Shanahan. And I will say this about your Leafs. 
there was no team that I know of that the president didn't hire the general manager, and the general manager didn't hire his assistant. <laughs> yeah. And the general manager didn't hire the coach, and the coach didn't hire his assistants. Now, who thinks that's going to work? <laughs> right, right. It's a good point. Thank you. Thank you for depressing me even more. Yeah, you know, so I, right. stability is, is vital <clears throat> yeah. because it, it means that there's a direction that everybody knows is being followed. And when, when the direction keeps changing, it's, it's, you know, everybody's got a little bit of, you know, protectionism. They're going to mm-hmm. protect themselves and try and align themselves with the right guy and, then you don't have a total buy-in, and that's where a lot of teams are. Uh, moving on a little bit more, uh, best team you ever played on? What's the best team you ever played well, on? Well, it was actually the team that I finished my career with, the St. Louis Blues in 2002. I don't know if that had, counts because you were a trade deadline guy. Yeah, I was a deadline guy. and Does that count? Um, you know, we had Keith Kachuk and uh-huh. Doug Waite and Al McGinnis and Chris Pronger and you know, I mean, that was Pavel Dimitra, the late Pavel Dimitra. Um, that was just a, that was just such a good team. Yeah. Um, but the team I had the most success with was the 93 Islanders. Yeah, which, how did you guys ever beat Pittsburgh? How did that happen? Uh, our goalie, Glenn Healy, was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, we were scrappy, and if you put those two teams together and played ten series, mm-hmm. there would have been only one time the Islanders won, and that was the one we won. Really, right? It was huge upset. Massive. Well, they had won two Stanley Cups, yeah. two previous Stanley Cups. Many people felt this 93 team was their best team, and somehow we beat them. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, uh, and then I would have thought you would have said, like, the, I don't was it 88, 87 Whalers? Which year did you guys finish first? Uh, 86. We lost to Patrick Waugh and... Um, you guys in the, uh, in the division final turned out to be that you know we would have ended up going to the Stanley Cup final because the Montreal beat the Rangers that year and yeah. in the conference final and they the Rangers were so injured um, that that you yeah. know I mean that yep. as it turned out you always think you're going to get another chance another mm-hmm. great chance but that might have been as good a chance as a lot of us ever got yeah because in '93 the Habs seemed to be they they kind of rolled over you guys well they beat us twice in overtime yeah. They beat everybody in overtime. I mean, that, that right? year they won 11 straight overtime <laughs> right. games. Right. Sometimes it's just your time. Yeah, yeah. Um, those Whaler teams, though, and again, my buddy growing up with the biggest Whaler fan, so uh, I had to hear all this from him. But, I mean, uh, uh, Francis and yourself and Turgeon and Deneen and Liute in the back, Babich on the back end. I mean, no joke, the Whale was, was legit. We were really good. And yeah. we felt we were a player or two away. Um, and then management turned over, and uh, Eddie Johnson took over, and his view was that they needed to add some players. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we lost a, a really good role player, and Stu Gavin went yeah. on waivers, and then they traded Mike Liute to Washington, and then they made the big, you know, I got traded to the Islanders, and they made a big deal that sent Ron Francis and Ol Samuelson to Pittsburgh, and yeah. for all intents and purposes, that was that was it. Like the air was out of the balloon once they did that one. It was over after that. Um, biggest misconception uh, fans have about NHL players? Like, obviously, I mean, I, hockey's never been more popular. That, that seemed like that lockout didn't hurt hockey. It made it more and more popular than ever. And so the fan interest, fan interaction, Twitter, all that kind of stuff, it's at an all-time high. And like you said, there are some douchebags out there on Twitter, but what is the misconception you run into 
the fans. Well, when think. I um, when I run into people um, that maybe don't, you know, haven't followed much, or they're you know they're new to the game, mm-hmm. and um, you know they meet you first thing, or not the first thing, but within the first ten questions, and somebody new finds out that I used to play, they'll say, "Are those all your teeth?" <laughs> like they think every player slap has shot lost every right, tooth, right, right. And I have all my own teeth. Yeah. You know, so I, I would say they think that, you know, players can be a bit of a Neanderthal. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's a bit of a misconception. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, there are some that are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And, yeah. Um, best player you ever played with? Was there a guy that stands well, out? Well, I played with Mark Messier. Yeah. Francis. I played, with Mar- uh, played with Ron Francis. Uh, played with Chris Pronger. Um, I'm going to say the most talented guy, well, the most talented guy I played with was Alex Kovalev. Yeah, with the Rangers, true, he was just astounding. But the best player I played with was Brian Leach. Yeah, he was just amazing to watch. And I was only with the Rangers for about sixty games, and uh, man, he was just amazing. Just an amazing player. Fabulous guy, too. I never appreciated him until again. This comes back full circle to the Leafs. The Leafs got him that year, and. I never appreciated him until they got him, and he was at the end by that time. And I was well, like, by the time he came to Toronto, he was but, just a shadow of what he was in the oh. Stanley Cup year, and uh, you know around that time, yeah. when he was the Norris Trophy winner, and oh man, he could he could change the game in a heartbeat. Yeah, and it was weird, and he, you know he he stepped out of the cab and broke his ankle and missed the whole yeah. season or whatever. Um, and by the way, in in our industry, like riders have. Um, Lots of incidents at parties and houseboats, and then they're always it always ends up that they were actually hurt, you know, doing that. But the media learns something else, you know. So I don't know if that. Oh was... yeah, um, there was there was a story of a player um, who had uh, hurt his knee um, doing plyometrics, you know, doing in the summer doing <laughs> yeah. training, but right. really hurt at water skiing. Yeah, okay, there we go. So that same you stuff know, happens, right? Nobody was, you know, I mean, that was a that one was staying under everybody's hat that's yeah. for sure. But it's amazing. Leach missed that whole season with a, you know, when you skate, and his, his his game was skating, and then he hurts his ankle, breaks his ankle. Oh, he fractured his ankle, and that was it. He missed almost, I think, almost the whole year. Yeah, didn't he? yeah, and then he comes back, same, basically, same level. You know what I mean? Like it was pretty amazing. Amazing player. Um. All right, Ray. I bugged you long enough. Um. Hope you had fun doing it. I doubt you did. What? No, nah, this was awesome. Let's get into some motocross. What do you who do you think is going to win the Anaheim opener here? I wouldn't know motocross if somebody <laughs> ran over top of me. Have you ever I've seen it? I've never been on a bike. Have you ever seen it on TV or anything? Oh, of course. Okay, all right. So you're familiar with it a little bit. but right. Yeah, but I mean, I've never been on a bike. Would never get anywhere near what those guys right. do. Not a chance. And our buddy Jeff showed me some pictures and videos of stuff that he used to do, and I'm like, the Right. Nuts, man. No chance. <laughs> uh, thanks to Jeff Williams for, for for making this happen. Ray Ferraro, I really appreciated it. I had a lot of fun. Uh, uh, you seem like you're a regular guy, and uh, um, I enjoy your work on TSN and the World Juniors. I'll be watching as well. And uh, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Well, enjoy, and if, uh, if they get NHL hockey in Vegas, I'll be there, and we'll have to run into each other. Yeah, sweet. Thanks, Ray. Cool. Thanks a lot. Bye.